You are now listening to Slingshots and Swords. What's up and welcome to the Slingshots and Swords podcast. This is the only podcast focused on discussing the battles we as Christian men face daily while learning how to effectively use the tools of warfare the Lord has provided for us. Raves. Not really a word that people use often these days. The world has found, you know, friendlier words to use to describe these sorts of events. Raves actually originally described rowdy parties happening in London's beatnik scene. In fact, the first known rave took place in London in 1967. Fast forward to today. (laughs) Now we use the term music festival. That makes things sound, you know, a little nicer, right? It's important to understand, though, that whatever words we use to describe the events, the culture is essentially the same. Purists of the culture will point to the changes in the music styles and such to argue that the culture is nothing like what it used to be. That's not what we're talking about here today. Today, we're going to look at the attitude and motives of the rave culture, counterculture, festival culture, or whatever you want to call it. We're going to look at terms like plur, events like Coachella, and even the Israeli war against Hamas right now to see how the church has been doing a terrible disservice to a massive group of people old and young alike for a long time. I'm James and I'm co-hosting with Mamelo, my main man, Pastor B-Side. Together, we're going to try and provide a unique perspective on ministry, community, and culture from a pastoral standpoint. So I got my mellow, my main man, B. What's up, fam? What What's it up, do? dude? I'm chilling. I'm illin', you know what I'm saying? Illin', chilling, you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. <laughs> So, so funny, right? So See, this is how recently, you know the coffee's good when we start doing silly stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, again, that that when we record, you know what I'm saying? It's coffee time for me, for sure. Yeah. So, and I know, you know, I had to have you join me so we can have right. our yeah. nice <laughs> cup of coffee together, you know what I mean? But anyway, so, so check this out. <laughs> so I just recently went down that rabbit trail, that rabbit hole of looking for some new music. <laughs> right, yeah, and that, it's that funny glorious exercise. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny because you you text me. I, I forget what you text me, but it sounds like you did the same, right? <laughs> I did, yeah. So, which basically really got me thinking about, you know, this episode's uh, discussion, you know, because as DJs, you know, I guess for me, you know, I, I truly enjoyed the music. Um, I didn't really consider the audience much. And, and I feel that you kind of approached it the same way. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I felt that even if you didn't like the particular style of music that I was playing, you would at least appreciate the vibe that I was providing. You know what I'm saying? At least can come around and be like, dude, that's dope. Like, I'm not right. really into that, but just the way you play, style of music selection, like, I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Right, because, I mean, when you look at, the, it don't matter where you go, you know, if you're playing out in public, even if it's like the, the house party of all house parties, like, you're going to have some hip-hop heads there. You're gonna have some people that listen that never been to a house party before and don't know what the vibe is. Right, but, right. But if you set in that right vibe, you know, cats will appreciate that. And that was really our approach to it, you know, to make sure that if 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 you were like an avid fan of whatever genre of music we came to play, cool. But yep. if you weren't, like you were gonna be feeling the vibe for sure, you know, because the ones who were fans were gonna be so into the set that just that that energy and that joy and that excitement and just fun yeah you know what i'm saying like we're gonna hopefully have that carry through well again like i mean you know i'm a hip-hop head you know what i'm saying like, right 
but like to get into the house music and all that really stems from from you and our connection because yeah man i used to just to let the peoples know you know what i'm saying like Branded Anthony, you know what I'm saying? Just to get down, because I'd walk into spots and I knew you were on because yeah. I could just just the style, right? right? Like there's just a certain style right. and just how you played. So for me, it was really cool bringing like even my group of friends and stuff to say like, hey, this is a cool style of music that's new to us for sure. New kind of group of people that also <laughs> was new to us. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll get to that a little bit in this discussion. Right. Uh, but it was just really cool to like be able to hear a different genre and style of music and and really appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And that was the cool thing is in terms of like just making it about the music for us as DJs. You know, and not to say we weren't about the people, but we weren't about the people in the sense that we weren't going to these places to like be seen by people or to yeah, see yeah, other no, people. For, sure. for a lot of people, that's the issue. And you know, you you link up with your your crew and stuff like that there and and whatnot. That's all good and great. But for us, it's like from a DJ perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like we were trying to bring that whole room together with that vibe and let the music kind of take over and stuff like that. So yeah, it was fun. You know, going. Well, ah, I shouldn't say it was fun. There's too much music out there these right. days. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's, yeah. We, there's a lot of stuff. Leave it as that. <laughs> yeah, you got to sift through to get to the good uh, stuff for sure. Yeah, so no, for sure. It's a grueling exercise to get there, you know. Yeah, so, you know, so again, you know, my personal experience, right? And, and just what I knew of raves back in the day, I knew there would be DJs, hopefully good ones. Right. They took that same uh, approach, but, right? Right. Yeah. But once I attended a few and whatnot, uh, whatnot, you know, I realized there was a lot more to raves than just the music. Yeah, and and, they, <laughs> and it, whether you've heard stories or been to them yourself, uh, a, a lot of the crazy stuff is true, and a lot of it's embellished for sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's more than the music for sure. And I think that's an interesting conversation to have right now. And maybe that's why you wanted to bring this up. Because, you know, you mentioned this at the tail end of your introduction there. You know, when Israel was attacked by Hamas on October 7th this year, one of the places that the terrorists hit was a music festival, right? And people haven't really been calling it a rave. But in case you don't know, a music festival and a rave are essentially the same thing. And so those guys, like, they slaughtered, they straight up slaughtered people who were attending you know, it was called the Supernova Music Festival put on by the, the Tribe of Nova production company. And that's what happened. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, because, you know, when you look at what the rave culture stands for and what happened again on October 7th in Israel, it really shows how how shallow and empty a lot of that culture really is. You know, the, right. you know they went to the festival that was, to, you know, again, supposed to be a peace festival. Uh, but But look what happened. Right, and that mess is crazy. Now, here's here's some listeners that you gotta understand. Don't get us wrong here. There has been since then, you know, since these events took place, a lot of people have come out and said some really flat out stupid things about this festival. And a lot of them, unfortunately, they've been, you know, proclaiming to be Christians, saying that the people who were killed at this festival were killed because it was a rave and this was God's judgment against them. We are not saying that, and that's not at all what this nope. discussion is and and it's unfortunate that people have been saying things like that and those people are some pretty insensitive straight up jerks that clearly don't understand the biblical presentation of god's judgment and so just so you know up front before we get deeper into this that's not our perspective that's not our opinion 
And that's not at all what we're trying to get across in terms of why these things happened at that particular event. Yeah, for, for sure. And, you know, glad you like point that out, you know, because sure. I think the issue is the fact that as long as people are the ones trying to bring about peace in the world, there, there's always going to be something that ruins it. You know what I'm saying? Like right. we as people aren't the prince of peace. Uh, even as Christians, we are supposed to be peacemakers, but it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that really allows that to happen. So the point I think we're going to hopefully try to make here is that the, the peace festival kind of indirectly, I think, showed the world how the human efforts to make peace are pretty worthless. Right. So, so B, you know, let's talk more again about the rave culture since the whole issue of peace <laughs> is a big mantra in the electronic music world. And I know you <laughs> yeah. literally have a little bit of experience in that world, right? Yeah, I got a little, you know. <laughs> and so, it, yeah, I mean, the, the, the issues of peace and, and really community, those two things are huge deals. And you mentioned in your intro too the word plur, you know, <laughs> and so that's that's <laughs> yeah, not right, a word. Right, that back. <laughs> right, yeah, and you got to bring it back because it's not a word you're going to hear too much these days for sure. Uh, but it is a concept. It's still a, a valid philosophy that really anchors the whole electronic music scene. Um, so you know that the people who make up the rave culture again they're not going to use that word but the ideologies behind that word are still very much the driving force of this culture so plur if you don't know it's an acronym it stands for peace love unity and respect and so at face value that sounds like an awesome and wonderful thing right you can build culture that those are good principles to build that off of right yeah and and while you say that you know i think you can walk into a lot of churches these days and really hear that same kind of rhetoric right? <laughs> the sure. idea of peace right is a good thing you know love is a good thing unity good respect that sounds good right so right. is this really a good thing though and that and that's the tricky part right because you know, it depends on who you ask, because here's the deal, right? What's the point of this podcast? Why are you listening to this? Because, you know, what we're trying to do is bring some spiritual insight, spiritual insight into daily life factors. So we want to try and pull back the curtain on the physical world to a certain degree, right? To see some of the sneaky things that the enemy might be doing behind the scenes so that we can be prepared and equipped as believers. So you asked, is peace, love, unity, and respect a good platform to build culture from? Well, it depends on the author of peace, because like you said, we're not the Prince of Peace. So it also depends on, on the source of love. It depends on the purpose for unity, right? I mean, Hamas was pretty unified in their effort, but I'm not sure that's the quality of unity that you know any culture yeah, should be for striving sure. for, you know? <laughs> and then again, the quality of respect, because if that's going to be a, a subjective situation, then, you know, present some issues. So, you know, when I was growing up in the rave culture, in LA, you know, back in the in the in the 90s and 2000s, I found myself in some pretty interesting situations because, like you said, there's there's two relationships I have with that culture, both as the DJ and the and the, just the normal party guy, you know. So I saw two different sides of the culture. On one side, I saw the kind of the idealistic side that most ravers and party goers were a part of, especially in the early days. You know, we went to raves because we legitimately wanted to get lost in the music and just just dance like that sounds weird to people but that's what it was and it wasn't like dancing like to hook up type of dancing it was like no i'm gonna be in my space like give me my space and let me just groove out for five hours you know what i'm saying like and that's oh that's, yeah for sure that's honestly what it was for a lot of us 
in those early days. And now what was cool about that, at least, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure it was cool because it was illegal, but, you know, <laughs> the fact that they were mostly illegal parties back then, you didn't have things like age restrictions and stuff like that. So so it was cool, at least for a younger guy like me, you know, I was coming in as a young teenager, you know, where you could have spots to hear some amazing new music on sound systems that were way better than your Walkman for sure. You know what I'm saying? And these, these places were filthy, but they were cool venues and you could be there for hours upon hours without really having to worry about stuff once you got there. Now, certainly some of these spots got raided and you had cops show up and things like that and you had to dip and have your escape routes and those sorts of things. <laughs> but for the most part, you know what I'm saying, it was it was all pretty chill. And so for, for a lot of people back then, you know, again, in the early days, it was truly about the music. You know, you had techno making its appearance and jungle and house music and, you know, you're talking genres and, and styles of those music types that are still around today, but it was way different. It was all new, you know? And so that stuff was not just new, but it was pretty amazing to hear on those, you know, old school sound systems, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and those oh, for sure. Like there was, yeah. you talk about a vibe, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was just dope, you know? And so we all love that stuff. We love the music and not just because it was great, but because really for a lot of the people who made up that culture, we liked that vibe because it wasn't the pop culture vibe. You know what I'm saying? We were very much the anti-pop culture people. And so for a lot of us, it's because we were the weirdos. You know what I'm saying? We were the band nerds. We were the artsy-fartsy <laughs> weirdo guys. You know, we were people that really didn't get along sometimes with our even our own families, but certainly with the people around us. And, you know, we were people that didn't fit in with popular crowds and schools and other places for a lot of different reasons. But these raves were places where as a raver you could just forget about all that drama and just get lost in music and escape stuff you know what i'm saying and so in the early days you pay like 10 bucks five bucks three bucks you know for for like eight hours of music it really didn't get much better than that so i mean you're talking about getting away from your problems trying to you know forget about life drama and just be somewhere where people aren't tripping about you as a person you know how you dress how you talk how you think those sorts of things all of that for less than 20 bucks like that's that's a good deal right you know yeah that's legit for sure i love that you mentioned walkman so Go look that up and oh, see what that is. Right, you know yeah, for you young bucks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that makes sense, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I think let's explain now why so much of the LGBTQ culture really identifies so closely with this culture now, right? Because right? back then, it was the culture where their sexuality issues, again, weren't going to be criticized the way everywhere else it was done, right? Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you just mentioned, like if you go to school and you start talking about these things or show these things you're gonna definitely people are gonna approach you a certain way right, right. treat you a certain way go into one of these raves right like you just mentioned it's it's a just a chill vibe everyone's pretty cool and laid back and no one cares right so you know again i think they kind of slid under the radar right <laughs> a bit there uh so if and again you can focus on the music uh as i mentioned you know no one cares about their sexual pr preference right right so then you know I think, wh where is the flaw, I guess, in that situation, right? So everyone, again, seems to get along. The music is dope. <laughs> so right. as a raver, you and the others, you know, were heading to these illegal warehouse parties and such. Uh, so I guess what was like the pulse of the culture like? You know what I'm saying? Like, how was it, again, different types of people? Uh, as you mentioned, a lot were unpopular. 
uh, maybe even outcast type kids, right? But they right. were going to normal schools. Uh, so yeah, like what was kind of that social setting like? Like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the, the vibe was was dope, you know? I mean, in a lot of ways, the idealistic mantra of what Plur stood for, you could see it there. Like, you really could. But it didn't last very long. And I think that's the issue, right? Because mm. what you mentioned is uh, earlier in the conversation that, you know, we try to bring peace, but we are not the prince of peace. So at a certain point, you can only hold up an imitation as genuine right, for right. so long and you start to see the cracks and the flaws and all those things right again at first glance you all these people coming together you could literally hide in the dark who you are as a person and the things that other people would criticize outside mm -hmm. of that environment gotcha gotcha but you know that's it didn't last very long and so i mentioned the early rave days and i emphasize early because when you got to like the 2000s like those things changed big time and they changed fast like the parties yeah, got yeah, it just way, like turned on. <laughs> yeah, it did. I mean, it got live quick. I mean, the parties not only got bigger, but the production. You know, what I'm saying stage production and the amount of DJs that are now showing up to play these things and all that stuff. Venues got crazier. Well, I think even just like the clubs we did together, yeah. like those were huge productions. You know, what I'm saying right. like, those were just like clubs, and but it right. was this kind of like I think where you're going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean every week stuff you had to get bigger and better, and you know budget and all that stuff because. Again, the, the essence of the music itself, it started to kind of take a back seat a little bit. And so you had these new kinds of raves that were coming out in the 2000s called Massives for the obvious reason. They were massive, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And so, I mean, I remember one of the early ones that I got to be a part of was Monster Massive put on by Go Ventures back in the day. And it was the first event that took place at both the LA Sports Arena and Coliseum put together at the same time. And so that was that, that mess was insane. You know what I'm saying? You had like law enforcement cooperation and things like that. And so you pull up and you see all these sirens, but it's not because they breaking it up. They actually trying to facilitate it. That was a, I mean, you just couldn't imagine an environment like that in the early days when I first started going in the 90s, you know, right? But, right I mean, right. watching a set by LTJ Bookham play Sunrise in between the L.A. Sports, you know, uh, center and the Coliseum with the kind of production that he had for that set. I mean, compare that to grooving out to a couple hours to like Jason Blakemore, Steve Loria, Doc Martin for a couple hours in some dirty warehouse, two very, very yeah, right. different <laughs> yeah. things. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Sure. And then you extrapolate that to something like Coachella, you know, and and you, you kind of get the idea, right? So then again, you know, if things were so chill and good, why did it change and blow up like that? Right. I mean, I mean, and here's what's crazy. We talking about raves, but you look to the Bible to get the answer to that question, you know, because it addresses the plain and simple reality, regardless of whatever culture you're dealing with, that people are going to be unsatisfied with the things that people do to bring satisfaction. You know what I'm saying? So it was only a matter of time until people understood that these production companies and party crews and all these things were unable to produce meaningful satisfaction for the people coming to these things. So soon enough, for a lot of those ravers, the music wasn't enough. So because no one was there regulating anything, drugs were an easy thing to bring into more prominent focus. So if you went to raves to forget about the issues of life and just get lost in the music, but the music was losing its effect, 
drugs helped you know what i'm saying and again you think about a lot of that music and some of the sound systems and then the visual production and stuff like that all mm-hmm, those things mm-hmm. were kind of working together it didn't take long for that stuff to become the focus which is why the stage production changed the marketing changed all that stuff you know even the looks of flyers when you look at how they were yeah you really oh, started sure. to see people lean into <laughs> the the drug facet of that culture and you know yeah. again why because the 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 pill we were given before right music it wasn't good enough and people were dissatisfied not with the sense that we were bitter with parties but it just wasn't enough it wasn't scratching the itch the way we were putting yeah. on that it was you know yeah and i think and, and again if you were like an attention fiend you know again you could be a candy kid <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm saying and put on this alter ego and definitely forget your problems that way you know what i'm saying and it's funny you said that phrase alter ego because that's kind of what raves <laughs> became you yeah. know what i'm saying where people they found it a lot of ways where a lot of the early anime days and kind of you know the mm-hmm. early yep. um you know i think of like uh cosplay type stuff a lot of those characteristics were birthed out of this culture because yeah, there were sure. weird creative artsy fartsy people and i'm one of them you know now i wasn't really a full-on candy kid but you know it was it was fun to be able to to express yourself that way and not have that and you know it started to branch out into popular mainstream culture a little bit but um not so much but i will say that when we helped and you mentioned this when personally you and i started to help take some of this rave culture out into like the orange county club scene like the just the regular club scene you really started to see some of these things that we were talking about where the whole pursuit of peace and love was totally fake right and as the years went on it became even more obvious that it it was really more about look where can i go to do whatever i want without consequences right where can i go to live life the way i want to without people criticizing me or telling me anything negative about that where they they, yeah, they can't yeah, you know sure. they can't refute my way of thinking in any way shape or form again where i can kind of you know come up with my own brand of peace based on my own perception of love and, and so forth and just literally hide in the dark you know because i mean you didn't start getting day parties until much later and people then it was really about hiding in the dark and some people were literally putting on you know costumes and masks and those sorts of things and so you know when, when the big dogs you know who were throwing these parties and things like that found out that they can make money off of this type of thing <laughs> yep. you know i mean the, the history speaks for itself yeah and i think that's when you definitely see see that shift so sure so then you know again i i think where we're going right i mean it sounds like the rave culture even though you know it put up this front uh like it was again all about good music community uh, uh, was just another way that people were finding ways to justify sin right i mean i think right. that's what we're saying yeah <laughs> you know when you explain it this way it sounds like those beginning rave days at least here in the states you know specifically in cali uh, were just people forming an underground culture because those people didn't like authority, didn't <laughs> like consequences, didn't like standards and so forth. And <laughs> I love that you chuckle because these were all our boys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was, was one of them. Friends and groups right here. Like, yeah, this was man. Real, you know what I'm saying? That's exactly right. And you know, and here's where it gets crazy because I wasn't just a raver back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like I started as one, but as soon as I saw the DJs doing what they're doing, I'm like, whoa, I need to do that. But then I had the opportunity to do so. I got good at it quick. And, you know, early on as a DJ in that community, you know, especially in that close-lit LA community, you know, I worked closely with some of those influential promoters back then that were doing these big old parties and stuff. And so, you know, I got to see things from a different perspective in that light, you know? So as a DJ, 
like you didn't care about the people even though you know the party was all about love and stuff like that you know what i'm saying well yeah because you cared about your name being on that flyer you know what i'm saying and then you cared that you got that money in your pocket (laughs) right and then not just were you on the flyer but how big was your name in the font on that flyer because there might have yep. been 62 <laughs> other DJs on that flyer. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you oh, man, that's funny. You know, if, if yep. your name was size 22 font or bigger, uh, you were somebody. That's what you cared about. So that <laughs> issue of love, like, it wasn't about that from that side of things. And those were the guys carrying the torch, you know? So you cared about the volumes of silhouettes in front of you. But what's interesting is from the DJ booth, like, you j- that's really all you saw was shadows of people. Like, literally, because the light is in front of you, so you don't see faces. You just saw shadows and silhouettes. You didn't care about the reality of that front line of people and maybe multiple front lines of people that are laying on the floor, like literally laying on this dirt or concrete floor in their own sweaty filth for hours, sometimes with Vicks vapor rub all over them and stuff like that, laying in front of subwoofers, inside of subwoofers, that they were high. They were rolling on E or doing, you know, slamming acid and stuff like that. And at some point, we're going to have to get home that night. You know, like that wasn't your concern when you were back there. Like you didn't care about the drug deals that were being done to invest into a lot of these parties and make these things happen. Well, again, and also, too, you know, you didn't care about the crooked cops that were all over because that was a thing. Heck yeah. Um, Because they were, again, looking for payouts and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, that stuff was crazy. I mean, you didn't care as a DJ about like a lot of the sexual crimes that were taking place in a lot of these dark corners. And shoot, sometimes it was a lot of the very DJs that you were playing with that were involved in a lot of those things, you know, taking people backstage or just behind, you know, speakers and stuff like that. And I saw all that kind of stuff all the time. And so it wasn't everybody, of course, but if these are the ones doing these types of things that are throwing the parties that are supposed to produce peace and love and community, but they're doing all this crooked and corrupt stuff to make these parties happen. How then can you produce real peace, love, unity, and respect, right? You can't. Like, does when do bananas ever produce apples? So if you got corruption, how are they going to produce peace, right? And over time, that found itself out. So let's talk about that real quick, right? So, you know, you mentioned the Nova Festival in Israel. A lot of people have been talking about that, obviously, because it's become the deadliest massacre at a concert in human history. But I think you kind of mentioned this briefly and we'll dive into a little bit. But but again, Christians have been talking a lot about it, too. Right. Um, I know you've heard it and it kind of made me double take a little bit when we first got into ministry and, and music was like the focus of what we did. Right. We wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, we went to. Uh, you know, just went to a lot of different churches. We talked to a lot of different pastors, uh, youth leaders, uh, ministry people from, again, all over about our experience in music, but specifically in this rave culture, you know, because I think genuinely between both of us, you know, like our heart was to reach out to those people who were basically using music as an idol to ultimately justify sinful living. That's exactly it. You know, and we knew, right? (laughs) You know, we knew at the time that the peace they were looking for was fake. Uh, we knew about the darkness in the culture. Again, you and I both had seen some crazy stuff mm-hmm. in that for world. Sure. And when we tried to tell church folks, right, about this stuff, I think they just kind of shrugged it off, right? right? They just kind of dismissed it, you know, because it was, again, a culture they were unfamiliar with. Uh, they didn't really care about the souls of the people who made up that culture. Mm-hmm. And it was really kind of crazy and, and sad at the same time to see how little concern and compassion the church had when we tried to let them know about the depth of spiritual needs in that specific 
private community. Yeah, man, it was kind of crazy. A lot of times they just wanted us to ignore these people, you know, and separate from them and expected them to just come to us in the church and let those people figure it out for themselves until they did, which is kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, they weren't at all excited by the idea of ravers, you know, showing up in the church with whatever image of ravers they had in their head. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, for it was, sure. you know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty heartless actually, you know, it was, it was sad yeah, and discouraging yeah. for us yeah. for sure. Yeah. So now, you know, we, we fast forward or, or go back, mm -hmm. right? October 7th. Right. So you hear a lot of pastors talking about how terrible Hamas is because they shot up a bunch of people at this peace festival. And now again, don't get me wrong, Hamas is terrible, right? They're evil, demonic, and the Lord will, will deal with them. Right. But the issue here, it seems like, again, a lot of influential Christian leaders that had no concern for the people in this culture before, now suddenly want to talk about their deaths to really kind of promote a purpose. And even um, though, you know, the purpose is a good one, it, it just, I feel like it, it feels wrong, yeah. right? You know, because again, some of these Christian leaders out there are pointing to the unjust slaughter of these people at this festival, emphasizing like they were at a peace festival. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, I think what I've heard a lot and I know you yeah. have too. So again, weren't so compassionate when we told them about right. that X amount of years ago. Now, here we are with this concern. So like, how do us as like Christian, but even just as Christian dudes and men right. and whatnot, how do we deal with something like that? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, I think we got to keep it simple here because uh, you can get pretty, uh, especially if you're like us and you have a background, you know, that come out of certain things. Like the tendency is to have compassion for the people who are like you that you want to see come out of that too. Um, so right, to keep right, it right. simple and kind of the emotional things out of it, like, we got to stay focused on the word you know what i'm saying and the word tells us like we need to have the mind of christ and it's as simple as that like we should be governed by compassion and mercy for the souls of any human being like the lord regardless of what culture they come from you know what i'm saying like it's 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 really not rocket science um you know and i think the massacre at the nova festival should show us that we have to show that compassion like right now with urgency because yeah, we sure. don't have all the for time sure. in the world to reach out to people like we think we can't wait for them to come to us like i think was the you know the the temperament of the churches and people we talked to early on in our ministry walk you know like oh they'll come to us when they're written it doesn't work that way now i'm not advocating that you know christians need to storm all these raves with signs and sure. that's kind of crazy <laughs> right. you know what i'm saying there's a better way um but in terms of how we look at the people right so, I mean, I remember some of the conversations that we used to have with people about the rave days. And I remember the attitudes that we got that you kind of hinted on as we shared our desire to try to find ways to like proactively and, and using wisdom and sense, of course, but to reach out to those people. And we were not well received or supported. Well, you know, now that a couple hundred people have died, you know, what do you do about that now? It's too late, right? Like you can't reach out to them anymore. They're, they're gone from this planet. Like, what do you do? So I feel like, you know, where we did some stupid things before, for sure, right? Like, even though the environment of rave culture for me growing up, like there's some nostalgic value to it and it was cool from like a music and creative standpoint. Like, I'm not saying that I miss those days. I'm not saying that that mess was dope and supporting that anybody go and experience that for themselves. So please hear me here. <laughs> like, don't, you don't need to, you know, dive headfirst into rave culture to see how dope it is. Cause that's, that's not at all what we're talking about. Like there were some dumb things 
the, the stupid positions we put ourselves in because of our connection to that culture, putting ourselves in some really, really dark places. And now I mention that because since then, the Lord has shown us some stuff and opened our eyes and revealed to us that there are some people still in that culture that are buying into the same lie that deceived us that had us playing around with the flames of hellfire. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not a good place to be. And so what lie am I talking about? I'm talking about the lie that we can live our own way, making up our own brands of peace and love and community and reject God in the process and everything's gonna be fine, right? That's what that culture stands for. Like it is very much anti-Christ in that sense, even though you don't have people screaming with their fists in the air, you know, I hate Jesus when they're at these dance parties. Like that's not what they're doing. Again, the, you're dealing with stuff of the devil. It's clever, it's deceptive, it's under the radar, right? It's literally in the dark, but you're dealing with people who are living in the dark, spiritually speaking. So we as Christians today, like we gotta understand that and we can't wait until these people are dead to feel bad for him, right? That's the issue with this. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, for us, you know, it's it's hard to just kind of sit back, right? You know, the Lord delivered us out of that lifestyle, so why wouldn't he deliver more people out of that culture like he did? Right, us? and I think what's sad is there was no one that was chasing us down in that culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, the grace of Almighty God was affected to pull us out of that, but like, man, it would have yeah, been, sure. you know, and I could say this, that, one of the guys who was instrumental in opening my eyes to the Lord to stop thinking this way that I could just do whatever I want and rebel against God and, you know, having this perverted perception about who God is was a guy I met in the music industry, right? Now, he wasn't a raver, but this was a guy who went after me. I hired him for a session and him having far more accolades than I did, especially at that time, made an effort to sit down with me and have a human conversation with me about life and introduce me to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And wasn't assertive, didn't want to debate, none of those things, but had compassion and care for my soul. You know what I'm saying? Because for whatever reason, he saw something in me during a session that actually went pretty well. There was nothing outwardly to tip him off to something other than just the Lord provoking him to do that. You know what I'm saying? That's the stuff we're talking about. Because look, in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15, the Bible says, how then shall they, right, call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard, right? In other words, how do you believe in somebody you don't know about? How do you follow somebody you've never heard of? So he goes on to say, how shall they hear without a preacher? How are you gonna learn about this person unless someone tells you, <laughs> you know? And how, shall, right, right. and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring, uh, who bring glad tidings of good things. So look, we wanted to preach, we wanted to be ones that were sent to have, you know, people praying for us and supporting us and helping us and, and laboring with us to do those things, you know, to take this message of hope to a very lost and dark culture. And then we didn't receive any compassion of any kind. But now that there's people who are dead, like, yes, there are still more people to get to, but we can't wait till they're dead to do so is the point, right? Yeah, and I think for us, you know, we saw a scene putting music and DJs up on a really like a godlike pedestal. Like right? literally, so, dude. So those were the, yeah, like those were the icons and symbols that, again, allowed people to be high, immoral, gay, flamboyant, in some cases criminal. Right without any immediate consequences. And I think I know for both of us, like me, even me specifically, like that's really why I stopped DJing 
anything right. because I was like, even if it's a wedding, like this type of stuff is happening. Even if it's a, you know, a little company party, right. like, it's this type of stuff. So it was hard to entertain literally that like environment sure. right to like encourage it or whatnot right so so again now you know we talk about us as uh, christians right so now we see all these christians they want to mourn the murders of these people at this festival and right rightfully so right like we're not saying not to do sure. that but there are bigger issues i feel that are at stake here mm -hmm. you know were these people saved Where's the compassion for their soul? Right. I mean, look, we, we can't speak for every individual that goes to a festival, right? But but I know that at the Nova Festival, like, it was a trance rave. Like, it specifically, it was a side trance, like, Goa trance rave. So you have these subcultures within the rave genre, and some of them, mm -hmm. some of them get kind of weird, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, for I mean, sure. <laughs> you see pictures of what happened there, and they had these big old Buddha statues, and this genre of trance isn't the only one that does that. The techno scene's big into this. Drum and bass has their own thing. Shoot, the soulful house music genre has their own way of putting this stuff out there. Again, it's all about this mm -hmm, these mm -hmm. false brands of love peace and community and there's always going to be these iconic things that are ultimately from a biblical perspective it's just idolatry and idolatry is enough to send a soul to hell it's rebellion against god but it's clever it's deceptive it looks peaceful it looks like fun it looks like just dancing you know to these people and so it, it's not like those things are going to be obviously demonic like a hollywood horror movie the devil he's not going to be effective like that you know so they're going to be false imitations of biblical good things because the devil's de the devil is clever in how he deceives he's convinced a whole community of people and let me tell you something what used to be a very small percentage of the population in this underground culture in the early 80s and 90s is not so anymore you're talking millions of people on every continent are now identifying with this culture and I mean, look, the model of the, the, the Nova, uh, the tribe of Nova, you know, that through that um, party in Israel is love and light movement. You know what I'm saying? Like as a believer, that should, <laughs> that should irk right. you a little bit. Like, wait, what, what's the basis of your love and like, what kind of love and light are you talking about? I promise you right now, it's not Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So what happens to the people who die that are investing in their, you know, their, their whole lives? into these fake brands of love and light and peace, rejecting the love and light and peace of God in the process. Like someone has to tell them this stuff and they're not gonna find out by act. Like we can't leave it to chance for them to figure it out and just start feeling bad for them when they get massacred in public venues like this. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of, you know, hearing about the hippies, <laughs> yeah. right? So, the, the right, I mean, the rave and music festival culture basically modernized a lot of the same philosophies, I think, that the hippies For did. sure. But if you, you look at the church response to them back in the day, right? So, it wasn't until someone like, I mean, Pastor Week kind of, again, went, were under, you know, Pastor Chuck, uh, let the spirit lead him to see that all people... Uh, have the same spiritual needs, right? So that's when people from the culture started to get saved. And of course, that's where the whole Calvary Chapel movement came right. from, right? You know what I'm saying? So otherwise, look at how the church treated those people back then. I feel like kind of the same attitude, right? We saw from church uh, folks about the electronic music culture. Right. So I think we can kind of kind of see like, okay, wh what's the final takeaway, right? From all mm -hmm. of this, like we can get to that, right? So what can we say came away with or 
what's actually helpful and productive to all of us. Right. Yeah, otherwise, <laughs> we're just whining, right? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, again, keep it simple in the scriptures, right? In Mark 16, 15, Jesus commanded his disciples to go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Like, we don't get to pick and choose the ones that we want to preach to based on, you know, what we think people deserve or what we think we'll get out of them based on what culture you know, they identify with or we identify with or what people we get along with better. You know what I'm saying? Because I think of like how, you know, when you talk about just the music part of it, which in a lot of ways identifies your culture, you know what I'm saying? You listen to metal, you hang around with people that look like they listen to metal most of the time. For us, we listen to electronic music and that encompasses a lot of different types of stuff, but mostly like house music and, you know, I'm talking about like deep house music and even like drum and bass like more like liquid drum and bass and those sorts of things like hip-hop but more like kind of the jazzy down tempo type stuff you know what i'm saying and there's a certain aesthetic that goes with that and those are you know for lack of a better terms are people but here's the rub is when you look at what jesus said in mark 16 15 that doesn't obligate us to just reach those people like us right right it also doesn't mean that we dismiss people like that because those brands of music don't fit the construct of traditional church culture music. You know what I'm saying? Because we didn't hear acoustic or electric guitar or people playing the dominant rhythm on the toms the way you hear in modern church music. Oh, well, they're not like us. So until they conform to our situation, then we can get... No, because what happens? Stuff like this. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like this. We don't get to pick and choose and make those distinctions on who we think is worth reaching and who isn't. We also can't undermine the needs of any subculture. And that's what I love. You mentioned, you know, Papa Chuck is, uh, he took risk. No, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Accepting hippies who, I mean, at least ravers now wear shoes, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of them don't, but you know, I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy that you know you you look at the risk that he took and like his whole livelihood was at stake at that point but he understood that every person has the same basis of spiritual need they were all sinners in need of a savior right and that the gospel saves each and every one of us the same way we're all saved by the same faith and the same message by the same god and so it doesn't matter where you come from like we are all in desperate need of hearing and receiving that message to escape the flames of hell and so just because ravers or music festival party goers you know aren't gangsters or homeless people right doesn't mean that they aren't in need of the gospel in any urgent way also just because they don't look like they have the urgent need you know what i'm saying so a non-believer is a non-believer and no one knows how much time any of us really has left on this earth. And I think that's what was scary about what we saw on the seventh. You know, the people who make up that culture right now, I can tell you for sure, they're empty inside because every non-believer is empty inside. You know, and and as it pertains to, you know, what we've been talking about of the seventh, you know, what Hamas did, Hamas attacking that festival shook this culture in a very unique way. That attack proves that that community cannot produce their own safe space anymore. They can't make peace like they thought. They can't assume that life is great because they went to this party that everyone had a good time at, right? That attack was clear evidence that we as people absolutely cannot escape the pains and threats of this life. There is no refuge in this world anymore. There is no bubble we can put ourselves in to escape the evils of this world, right? We can't, I mean, we we can say peace all we want, 
But the reality is, is we see now, especially in this culture, that there isn't any. And I promise you that a lot of these people that are part of this culture are in great fear and living in a new quality of darkness that they've never been in before because they have to deal with this reality and this understanding. No matter where they live, no matter how hard they pursue this culture and the false ideologies of it, you can't escape the reality that this terrorist attack brought to everybody. It's because of this, right? So just because this group of people listens to weird and loud electronic music because they go to weird festivals and, you know, these psychedelic things, whatever, whatever your perception of it is, doesn't mean that they should be disqualified from hearing the gospel. Just because they've been to raves and festivals doesn't mean that they're too far removed from hope and that they're not worth engaging, right? Because a lot of people looked at us that way early on because we didn't look like the people who were currently sitting in the pews and figured we were too far lost because we had all these piercings and our hair was different back then. And, you know, well, we had hair back then too, so that was a thing. But, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> the issue stands, right? Look, so what? If a lot of these people are gay, leftist, progressive, blah, 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 blah. Look, we all have the nagging temptation of sin to remind each of us as Christians that we are no better than anyone else. And so we need to take the approach that every soul matters. Just like ours mattered when the Lord came to us while we were yet sinners and saved us anyway and continues to show us mercy while we continue to stumble, stumble along living imperfectly, right? So if that's hard for you, get in line, fellas. You know what I'm saying? It's hard for all of us because we're not the Lord because we still have the flesh. But look, pray about this stuff, right? Pray that the Lord would change your heart to have a responsive, a, you know, fruitful compassion for those who are heading into hellfire even if they're different than you, right? That's, I think that's the simple takeaway from this. Amen. So make sure that you don't miss out on any episodes of Slingshots and Swords podcast by subscribing and sharing it with at least one other person. Uh, our brand new website, pastorbside.com is now live and offers exclusive content that we're creating to help give you more tips, tricks, tools, hacks, whatever you want to call it to put the things we talk about here into practice. So again, we're trying to load you up with good and godly stuff to win as many battles as possible if you're a husband, a dad, a son, or just a dude trying to figure some stuff out. Right, and I mean, since we talked about the culture, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, right, gonna, right. What about We're still gonna beats? load you up with, right, <laughs> we're gonna load you up with beats. And yes, they are gonna be beats that identify with this culture. No, we are not yeah. advocating you go celebrate rave culture in doing so. But the music is still tight, you know what I'm saying? It's, and the it's stuff banging we, in the back right now. <laughs> it sure is. And the thing is, is like you'll notice that you hear us talking. There's not a whole lot of other people talk because, you know, look, we do the work to curate this music to make sure that even though it comes from a culture that people are kind of sideways about within church, uh, it's not promoting those things, those false things that this culture is known for promoting. So the, th the stuff we're loading you up with, yes, it comes from that genre, but it's good stuff. It's, it's stuff that's been vetted out that, that isn't going to take you into those dark places, but just hopefully keep your mind out of dark places if you guys struggle with that stuff like we do, right? So the new website, that's where you can find all that stuff. So check it out now if you can, pastorbside.com. Again, if you're digging on this new direction and want to support our ministry efforts and you're interested in providing financial support, you can do so through the website in the support section. Again, any contribution amount would be greatly appreciated. So thank you so much for listening. Can't wait till we link up again. So until the next episode, grace and peace. Peace out. 
slingshots and swords. <laughs>